0: you ready? All right, here we go. So I felt that the Lord wanted me to speak to you guys about prayer today and to teach you about prayer. So we're going to be going around various kind of scriptures. Um, I'm going to just pray. Let's just pray. Let's open our hearts. Let's expect the Holy Spirit to move through the Word. Um, You know, The Holy Spirit inspired those who wrote the Bible. So the Holy Spirit's the author of scripture. So as we unpack it, we're expecting the Holy Spirit to move in power. Is your heart open to hear from God? Do not disqualify yourself. Jesus has qualified you. Okay? None of us are here by our own qualification or because we looked apart or this or the other. We leave all that outside the door. We leave it, we put it in the bin. It's nonsense. Jesus is our qualification. Okay? And if you're in Christ, then you are fully righteous because his righteousness covers you. What a joy. What a wonder. So, therefore, we can expect God to speak to us. Because the way has been made. So, Father, I want to pray as I open up scriptures now. Holy Spirit, I put myself in your hands. I pray that you would use my words. Help me to speak well, Lord. I pray, Lord, please use me to be a blessing to these guys. I pray for those who are listening. Help them to hear what you are saying. Protect their minds and their hearts from, from, from stray thoughts and from getting the wrong end of the stick and from anything that would bring them into sort of a place where you don't want them to be. I pray they would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. So Lord, we put ourselves in your hand and we pray, Lord, for your energy, your power, your zeal to rest on us and for our hearts to be gripped um, by what you want to do today. In your precious name, we love you, Lord. Amen. So I'm going to speak to you about prayer, true prayer, true connecting with God, true friendship with God, true walking with God. And I want to say a couple of things by way of introduction. And the first one is, this, is that true prayer can only really be enjoyed, experienced um, as a supernatural gift from God. Okay, you can't, it's not just, oh, I'll I'll pray. You can't just say, I'll pray. But true connection with God, true friendship with God, true walking with God and the richness of all that prayer is can only be experienced as a supernatural blessing from God. It's based on being reconciled to God, which is based on experiencing forgiveness from God through Jesus Christ. See, here's Here's the reality. The reality is we are born estranged from God. The Bible uses words like alienated, we're, we're born, which is why we live with that sense of loss. It's why we live with that sense of longing, like something's been lost, but that sense of wow, there's more. That sense of I know that there's a meaning to life, but what is it? it? Naturally speaking, we're all born with that because we were made for the glory of God. We were made to enjoy his presence. And yet there was a moment in, early on in creation, we find it back in Genesis 3, and it's like the epicenter of an earthquake where humanity through Adam and Eve decided to go their own way. We're going to do our own thing. We're not going to trust in the words of God. We're going to go our own way. And it was like the epicenter of an earthquake and every dark thing you've experienced and every dark thing you read about on the news can be traced back to that epicenter right there. But the reality is, is that even our natural birth, we're born, but we're not in relationship with God, there's a sense of estrangement, longing. It's like, ah, oh, there must be more than this. And there are two great givings that God has done, to put that right. The first is, is that he gave his one and only son. Now, make sure at this point you don't go, yeah, I've heard this. Tell me the next one. No, don't, never do that. Never do that with this. He gave his best. There's a Have you ever noticed why maybe you haven't? I I looked up recently to check my facts. I thought, you know what? I'm not sure that the Bible says God loves you loads. So I did like a word search thing. You know, you've all got apps now. Back in the day, you had to read the Bible the whole way through just to find out if you were right or wrong. So we were constantly reading the Bible. That was why, you see. Um, Now you just press a few buttons. And I think it says maybe twice. Don't start searching. Check it out later. I think it's about twice. Jesus loves you or God loves you. Mostly it says God loved you. It's a really interesting phrase. Jesus loved. He loved us. Why, why does it, do it? Because what it's doing is it's pointing back to a historic act of love. It's saying, it's, it's saying this is the foundation. This is how you know because you know because you know God loves you because the whole thing's rooted in a historic act. It's not rooted, hallelujah, in how I'm feeling today. That is the best news you could possibly have. It's not. Oh God loves you. Yeah. 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 We're good. God loves me today. I just know it. I mean, great, but not exactly secure. The Bible says God loved you. He loved you. God God loved us and delivered up his son for us. It points us back somewhere, historic, where that can't be changed. And if God did that then, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As we heard earlier, God does not change. Then we know that God's heart towards us is exactly the same as it was in the moment that he gave us his son. And so it provides a foundation to be able to live on. And then you can start saying, well, why did God do it? There's only one word. Only one word to explain why God did it. And that word is what? Love. Now, love's a powerful thing. Love's an amazing thing. Love will cause people to go above and beyond anything they've ever done before. People don't often realize that when the Bible says that God is love, it's such a power. It's not just... It's not just nice, it's so powerful because what it means is this. When God does something, no one has forced him. There's not some higher authority that says, you know what, God, you're love, so you need to do that. No, God is the highest authority. But from a place of immense love, he gave his one and only son. That's an extraordinarily powerful thing. A really profound thing. Have you ever noticed how no one can make you love something or love someone? Everyone noticed that? Eat your greens. They're amazing. They'll do you so much good. Eat your carrots, you'll be able to see in the dark. But I hate them. I hate that you, nothing in my heart is going to, you can't make me love carrots. You can't make me love my greens. But if we're going to talk about sausage rolls, it's a different story. Straight away, just love is bursting. It's just bursting from my heart. It's like it's just there, overflow. I can eat sausage rolls all day. Maybe not the most profound example. But it makes the point that human beings are we are we are creatures of love and desire and we're made in the image of God. And so when you say, Why did God give Jesus? And why did Jesus come and it's love, that provides such an extraordinary foundation because you go, oh, He overflowed. He overflowed with affection for his creation. No one forced his hand. It wasn't God saying, Well, I'm God, so I'm better. I'm God, everyone you know, I've got to do it, I'm God, you know. No, 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 no. Gave his one and only son for us to pay the price for all of the darkness, all of the sinning we've done and all of the suffering we've experienced and all the darkness tied up with that. Hallelujah. Jesus took it on himself. And hallelujah, his blood cleanses us from the guilt, the shame and everything associated with it. Anyone want to say hallelujah? Hallelujah. It's wonderful news. But not only did he give his son, he gave his Holy Spirit. And when he gives his Holy Spirit, the whole thing begins to make sense. See, I was brought up with the faith. I was brought up with Christianity. And I would say I had some kind of sense of loyalty towards Jesus. I would argue with people that weren't believers and debate, but I hadn't seen it. It hadn't broken in on my life. And 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 then something happened to me, which the Bible calls calling, God called me when I was 18 years old and something happened to me. It wasn't so much a dramatic experience, but God God did something by his Spirit, whereby he opened the eyes of my heart and I said, Jesus, I'm all yours. I found myself just giving myself to him. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. There's two gifts that happen in in, in someone's life that brings them through and makes them a believer and helps them to be saved and forgiven and all of the good stuff. Number one, the giving of Jesus Christ that historic act that no one can undo, given for us, the price paid for our sins. Number two, that moment where the Holy Spirit comes and God calls you to himself and your eyes open and you go, this is it. This is the good news. I want to give my life for this. That's the found, that, bang, it opens up. Suddenly prayer makes sense. Suddenly prayer became my pastime. I used to live opposite a field and I would just fight. Oh, do we want to go out there and just talk and walk with God? Why? Suddenly it made sense. Suddenly it wasn't guesswork. Suddenly I wasn't groping around in the dark. Suddenly it wasn't just when I'm in trouble, God please help. Now I knew him. Now this was the realest thing I was doing. Now he'd unlocked, given me a new heart and there was an ability to be able to relate to him and know him. And I want to say this to you, young people. Maybe some of you are here and you're here on a Christian tradition. But you've never given your life to Christ. They've never experienced that sense of wonder, oh, he did it for me. He did it out of love for me. He paid the price for my sin. Maybe today's that moment for you. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? If you could point back to today, like I can point back to some campsite in 1991. Sounds like so old, doesn't it now? When I was 18. And it happened. And you know, I was such a clown before that. Even my mum, who was a praying woman, her thought when she heard about it was, how long is this going to last? <laughs> I was such a joker. I took my friend out for a drink to tell him. My non- like, all my mates were just like, we were just, what, council state, upbringing. All my mates just did what you did, what you did. I said, I need to take you out for a drink. Hold on a shandy. You knew something was up. And I said... I said, I've become a born-again Christian. He said, this time next year, you'll be in this pub garden getting off with some girl. That was literally what he said to me. And I'd lived such a horrible life, especially the last couple of years before that. I would said, you know what? I, all I'm saying is, God's changed me. Something's happened. That was 30 years ago. His prophecy never got fulfilled. Amen. God changed his lives. The power of the gospel. Hallelujah. And, lo- and the Lord brings us into a relationship with him, which we call prayer. We call it prayer. Now, prayer is not complicated, but it's rich. It's a rich thing. And so, when people say, "Well, prayer's just chatting to God," you go, "Hmm. uh, Yeah. I kind of get where you're coming from. But for my money, that's a bit simplistic. And simple's good. Simplistic's not good. Simple is when you know we're not being complicated for the sake of it. But simplistic is when you take something rich, multi-layered, multi-dimensional, multifaceted, and you say it's just that." It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's not just chatting to God. It, 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 I know the heart of it, but it's bigger than that. And I want to just teach you on some stuff on prayer today, and trusting that the Lord will thrill your heart, trusting that the Lord will motivate you in terms of drawing near to Him. We're going to end with a bit of prayer at the end of this session this evening. You're going to have an absolute great time praying. So I'm really happy that the Lord has asked me to speak to you about prayer. Now here's the thing, here's the points I'm going to make on prayer. Number one: prayer as our secret delight. Listen to what Jesus says. Let's look at Matthew six together. In the old days, you used to hear rustling of pages for about five hours. Now there's silence. Because everyone's beeping on their phones, right? Matthew, cha- any rustlers out there? Ee! That was extreme rustling, Tom. You were never going to find Matthew six by doing that. You're going to your, rip your Bible doing that mate. Right. Matthew chapter six. listen to what Jesus says. Verse six, I love this. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who's in secret, who sees in secret, will reward you. Question: Where's your father? Say it again. This is this is magnificent. This is absolutely magnificent because what it shows us is this is that there's a, there's a foundation you can build your life on where you're not reliant on what others say about you. You're not reliant on public opinion. You're not reliant on how many likes. You've got your feasting at a different table. Your feast, because you're, you're investing in a relationship with God. You and him are having a private fellowship. You and, him, you and him are having secret fellowship together that no one knows about. And, and, and as you invest in that secret place, a foundation is built in you spiritually. And it's a foundation that will weather the storm. It's a foundation whereby you will begin to learn who you are in him, who he says you are. Where he will begin to share the things that matter to him. And you'll begin to carry his heart. Because when you go and draw near to God in secret, guess what? He's there. And he's waiting for you. And it liberates us from having to build our life on just kind of just looking the right thing, showing the right side. Hallelujah for liberty in the gospel from all of that. We can genuinely invest in a relationship with God in that secret place where you learn to pour out your heart. Psalm 25 verse 14 says this, that the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. God wants to share secrets with us. God wants to let us know what's on his heart. This is extraordinary. He wants to to draw in a trusted circle of friends that he can share things with. Who will carry his heart. It's magnificent. It's absolutely magnificent. He says in Psalm 2, rejoice with trembling. It's this strange blend of, wow, Lord, but you... Your, your, your breath is taken away. It's uh, the fear of God. It's a, we don't talk about it much, and uh, the, the closest thing to it probably is when I was talking to someone years ago, and they said I was walking through Camden High Street which is where we live in Camden. I was walking through Camden High Street, and um, I, I saw Coldplay, and I couldn't breathe. That's what they said. Oh gosh, you know. But it's, it, it, it's that. It's that. But it's in the presence of God where you realise you are drawing near to, that somehow, here's the deal, you get to draw near to the one who is holy, holy, holy. There are beings in heaven who are so awesome that one God sent one of them once against one of the enemy armies of Israel, and one of them destroyed 185,000 of the enemy army. And these beings in heaven, they, they, they cover their face at the, at the holiness of God. Day and night, they do not cease to sing, holy, holy, holy. They're just in awe. So these are beings who, if we saw them, we would want to melt on the spot. We'd want the ground to cover us up. They're in the presence of God saying, holy, holy, holy. And God says to us, my children, come. And you go, but how can I come? Only by the blood. But if you come by the blood, you come with full confidence. Why? Because when you come by the blood, you are coming not on your own righteousness, but on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so you come in full confidence because Jesus is perfectly righteous. Jesus himself, the eternal son, Jesus, God in the flesh, has become our righteousness. The Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, in Christ, you're the righteousness of God. Say to yourself, in Christ, I am the righteousness of God. That was really quiet. I don't know why it was so quiet. Being loud isn't always being spiritual, but being loud sometimes signifies confidence. Being quiet sometimes signifies timidity. Why don't we say with boldness and confidence in Christ, I am the righteousness of God. It's extraordinary. God has done it. That's why we call it the gospel. Gospel means good news. The good news is not try harder. The good news isn't pray more. The good news isn't fast more. The good news isn't go to more meetings. The good news isn't playing the band. The good news is God has done it. Yeah. Hallelujah. And when you see it, and when it, when it flows into your heart, wave upon wave by the Holy Spirit, you realize it's all about Him. And you can drop your shoulders, relax, and just go for the glory of God. Because you see and know you've been brought into something That is based entirely on what God has done. And the pressure lifts. And you're no longer living looking over your shoulder. Imposter syndrome. When will I be found out? I got found out years ago. I'm a fraud. Okay, Me and of myself, I'm cowardly. I'm self-important. I'm harsh. I'm argumentative. Okay, All of those things naturally and a whole lot more. Full of lust, horrible, ugly. Jesus gave his life for me. So now in Christ, I'm the righteousness of God the gospel I haven't got to pretend to be anything else before anyone else I've been given a brand new heart as a gift now more than anything else I want to see Jesus glorified and people done good that's the miracle of God being born again Hallelujah. (laughs) so we have this secret fellowship that's a really important part of prayer secondly asking and receiving I really want to talk to you about this guys you want to hear about it good okay asking and receiving I want to suggest to you that praying as asking is only completed when the receiving happens. Okay, praying in terms of asking God for things is only completed when the receiving happens. It's not this thing of, oh, well, i prayed about it. I've ticked the box. i prayed about it. No, we, we ask for things in order to what? Receive them. I'm going to say that again. We ask for things in order to receive them. If we are not doing that, let's not bother asking for them. It's a waste of time. Let's read the words of Jesus. Matthew 7. Flick, flick, flick. One page. Flick. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the, and it will be opened to you. For everyone, say everyone. everyone, who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it, what be opened it. Will be opened. Or which one of you? If your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if you ask for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are? If you then who are? If you then who are? Oh, you're just like me. All right. Okay. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father, who is heaven, give what things? To who? To those who? Hallelujah. That's a promise right there. He's either telling the truth or he's not. Now, what you need to understand is this, is that it is, it's written in the present continuous tense. So when it says, ask, it's saying, keep on asking. When it's saying, seek, it's saying, keep on seeking. When it's saying, knock, it's saying, keep on knocking. That's the heart of it, you see. So it's, it's perseverance, but Jesus is saying, you should be able to persevere and, and with confidence. Why? Because it's rooted in what? Rooted in the character of God, in his goodness. Rooted in the goodness of God. Now I've got a little illustration for you. Years and years ago, it was my son's birthday, and I had this plan. And the plan was this: I'm, He wanted a basketball. But I thought, I'm not going to just get you a basketball. I'm going to get you a hoop. I'm not just going to get you a hoop. I'm going to set the hoop up while you're at school. Now, great idea. Worst man at DIY in the universe, right? So he's at school. I think, right? Well, I'm going I'm to set up the hoop to in the back garden. So I'm, <laughs> my wife's watching who is much more gifted at DIY than me, but she lets me have a go. So I'm, I'm out in the garden on this thing. I drill these holes. I open the back doors. I drill these holes and, um, and so that um, the holes are drilled. okay. And then uh, when he comes in from school, it won't be there. When he goes to bed, I could just screw it in because the ho- holes are drilled. So the holes are drilled. And um, instead of school, I put the thing in and I go, ta-da, to my wife. She says, it's really good. She says, but will, will, will the back doors shut with it at that height? It's like the killer question. She says it really nicely, but it's obvious the back doors won't shut with it at that height. <laughs> Anyone can see that except me. So this is like about 3:30. I'm like, oh no, we need new holes. But it's about 3:30. Ain't gonna happen. So I have to wait till he goes to bed. So I'm out in the garden. Who knows what time? Drilling. Neighbour starts saying, keep the noise down. No, I'm I'm just trying to give the explanation without saying too much because he's in his bed and he might hear. I mean, it's just, you know, he's like, it's so much effort. It's so stressful. But why? So when he comes down in the morning, he can open the basketball and go, wow. And I'll say, not just wow. And he'll go, wow. and right Now listen, Jesus uses an illustration like that. And he says, you lot, you're evil, you're selfish, you're self-important, you're all of that. But look at what you're like with your kids. Story like that. And he says, how much more? Because God doesn't have any of that in his heart. He doesn't have any of that sinful, messy stuff. He's just perfect. So Jesus says, how much more? Because Jesus knows that when we come to God in prayer, there's that thing in us where we go, oh, do you know what? And we pray and nothing happens. And so we sort of assume it's the no. Anyone relate to that? It ain't a no until he says no. There's a story in 2 Corinthians where Paul he's really troubled by a difficulty, a horrible thing. He wasn't expecting. We don't even know for sure what it was, but he calls it that he's thorn in his side. And he said, I prayed three times. He said, and then the Lord said, no, 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 I'm doing something here. And he explained to him, this is what I'm doing. At that point, Paul had peace. Okay, I can leave it. But so often we don't get there. We pray once, we pray twice, nothing's happening. Now it's probably a no, I'll just get on. And God said, no, 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 that is unfinished business. That is not a, a satisfactory situation. That's called giving up. That's different from God saying no. That's when you go, oh, it's probably just me anyway. And all of, We get into all of that introspective stuff. No, 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 listen, is, 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 is the Lord alive? Can he speak? Does he live in a believer's heart by his spirit? Can he let us know if we're barking up the wrong tree in our prayers? Yes, then we don't need to decide for him. The reality is often it's just like our heart in prayer. We, we just fall into discouragement or we fall into negativity. And we allow ourselves to oh, we just stop. No, don't do that. Jesus says the Father has an extraordinary overflowing heart for you. Like a really powerful generosity towards you, that far outstrips the most generous Father on, in the earth, which means that sometimes as believers, we're living in a kind of a poverty, a kind of a lack that we don't need to be, but it's because we, we sort of thought, oh, God doesn't want to, and we, we believe the lies, or we just believe our own thoughts. One of the things I've learned over the last few years, maybe decades, is this, don't believe everything I think. That's really good advice. I don't know about you, I get some crazy thoughts. Anyone else? And sometimes they feel really true. Anyone else? Tell you, I've learned to hold them all up against this. All up against this. Because sometimes it's me being stupid, sometimes it's a spiritual thing and it's not the Holy Spirit. It's a deceiving spirit. And it feels so real and so true, and I just gotta give way to it, and then you think, how did I get here and I'm discouraged or I've become prayerless or I've just shrunk back? You think, what's happened here? I've believed the lie. That's why we've got to understand the promises of God and learn by the power of the Holy Spirit to stand on them and say, Jesus doesn't change. And Jesus is true. Amen? So asking and receiving. Sometimes the answers to our prayer do hang on a bit of perseverance. Praying through. Because there's a warfare, there's a battle, it's real. So we've got to learn to, to pray, to really learn how to pray. It's kind of go for it in prayer. Especially when you're praying for the stuff you know God has promised. When God says things in the Bible like, it's my will that none should perish, but everyone should be saved. There's a foundation to stand on and say, Lord, you said, now Lord, when are you going to save? Fill in the name, fill in the gap. Really pray. Anyone feeling a fight stirring up in them? Okay, one and a half of you. All right, that's okay. We'll get there, don't worry. I'm going to keep going. Number three, this one could be a little bit controversial. So I'm going to walk you through it carefully. Obeying God and pleasing Him has an impact on our prayer life. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3 together. Now some of you might not have ever been taught this, so I want to just make sure I make it quite clear what I am saying and what I'm not saying. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. I'm trying to lay a really healthy biblical foundation for prayer for you, it's something that's kind of not comprehensive. I'll be here for months, but there's some just some stuff to help us think it through in a rich way. 1 John 3, verse 22. We have confidence before God. and Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Do you hear that? Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. Now, let me just make this clear. This isn't talking about perfection. This isn't talking about you've got to be perfect before your prayers get answered. It's not talking about that. What he's talking about is this. Let me give you an illustration. Because sometimes people say, how does this work with grace? I thought we just got saved as a gift and like everything just drops in our lap. That's not how it works. Let me explain. I'm a parent. I've got three uh, lovely kids. And they just arrived. They literally just arrived. Right? I know the birds and the bees. But other than that, they just, bang, they were there. They didn't do anything to get into the family. It was all grace. All they contributed was um, noise and smells. Okay? That was it. And then, but we would walk around with them just singing our heads off to them and absolutely delighting in them. It's a picture of when we'd get saved. We, Bam, we're born again. We're in the family of God, and we didn't bring anything to the party except our mess, okay? And all he's doing is singing over us. Hallelujah. How cool is it? Yeah, we, wouldn't, we wasn't saying, come on, like, do the washing up, when they were six months old. It's not appropriate, okay? But we are obviously out of a place of love committed to their maturity. Because if when they turned 15 and you came around my house and they were still in the high chair and I was still feeding them, you'd be going, something's not right there. (laughs) But that was great 15 years ago. It's weird now. Am I right? Because there's a commitment to... Their maturity, why? For their good, so they can be fruitful, so they can be all that God has made them to be. It's coming from a heart of love. And similarly, you see God with us. We're in the family as a free gift, but he is committed to our maturity. He's committed to teaching us to trust him. Obedience comes out of trust. If you don't obey God, it's because you don't trust him. An unbelieving, mistrusting the heart of God is going to land you in so much trouble. You're going to make crazy decisions. You'll make foolish decisions in you'll say, how did I get here? You didn't trust God. He wants what's best for you. And so he's committed to teaching you how to trust him, to obey him, to look to please him. And, and he's saying, Listen, that, that's the heart. When you're, when, you're, when you're out of kilter with that, God's saying, no, we've got to get your attention. Things aren't going to carry on as if everything's fine because I want to get your attention. Why? Because this isn't... Hold on a minute. It's a bit like... If one of my children, like, was really horrible or really naughty or really whatever, and then they carried on as if everything was normal, as a parent, you're going, well, I don't don't know about this. (laughs) I still love you as much as ever. But we've got to talk. You understand? Because when you did that, that's affected the relationship. We've got to talk about this. And they, they could smother me with kisses for hours. It's like, yeah, okay, great. But can we just talk about that? Because that's how relationships work when we hurt one another and, and, and stuff like that. You've got to get things right to be able to walk harmoniously together again. And It's the heart of God. It's not God saying you're not saved by grace anymore, but it's God saying I'm committed to your maturity. I want to bring you to glory. I want you to be maximum fruitful. It's my heart for you, you see. And so, and so the, 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 one, the, the important, the warning here is if we're off doing our own thing and wondering why our prayer life isn't fruitful, it's because we're off doing our own thing. That doesn't undermine the gospel or the grace of God. It's God saying, no, it's, it's this way. <laughs> this is the way. But if you are, like me, looking to follow the Lord, stumbling, anyone else? All of you. Don't, don't just 50% of you nod. Because James in the Bible says, we all stumble in many ways. So I know you all stumble in many ways, because God says, all right? So don't give me that, maybe. No, you do, right? So we're all stumbling, making mistakes. Oh, no, why did I do that again? You know, That's the Christian life, okay? But the heart is saying, no, Lord, I want to please you. I oh, said, so No, yeah, I'm, I'm about. Yeah, you've done a work in me, Lord. I'm after you, but oh, yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, but that—that's the Christian life. So it's not about perfection, but the assurance is this: is if we are looking to learn how to trust Him and we just want to, we want to please Him. What is what's the promise? What is the promise? Here's what it says. Blind is about these days. Right? What does it say? Whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because he's wanting to totally get behind what we're doing. He's like, yeah, we're, we're, we are doing the same thing. You're pursuing my kingdom. You're pursuing the things that make for life to the full. You're pursuing the things that will not rust, spoil, and fade. You're pursuing the things that will last forever. You, this, you've got it. You've absolutely got it. And I want to resource you with all I've got, even though you've spent half the time stumbling over. Yes, here we go. I want to give you those things you need as you follow me. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Fourth out of five. We're doing all right. Fourth out of five. There's five. This is the fourth. The issue of unforgiveness. Let's look at Matthew 6 together. This is a big one. This is a big one. Matthew 6. Jesus teaches on the Lord's Prayer. Part of that, verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then we get the the killer blow. He decides to pick up one thing from the Lord's Prayer afterwards, and that's verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Did you see that? These are the words of Jesus. I am not going to dilute them. I'm not going to edit them. They're the words of Christ. Verse 14, verse 15. If you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now notice this. He still says, your father. You haven't lost your salvation. But something's gone wrong in your relationship with God. Something's out of kilter. You know, you're still justified through the work of Christ. But there's also a sense in which you're not forgiven. In, in terms of you're not, you're not extending forgiveness. This is heavy stuff. And you think why why is that so, why is that so deep and it's not just there if you look in like mark 11 I'll show you some other places I'm not going to mark 11:25 says this whenever you stand praying forgive if you have anything against anyone there you go anything against anyone so that your father so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses in 1 Peter 3 talking to husbands he says treat your wives well otherwise your prayers will be hindered At our relationships with other people really matter in terms of the flow of our relationship with God. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if you're about to go and put an offering at the temple and you realize that you're out of, out of kilter in a relationship with someone, leave it there. Go and throughout out the relationship first, then go back and do the offering. That's how important our relationships are and the state of our heart. God, does, God hates that thing where there's like a trail of destruction in our lives relationally where we've said, hurtful things there, there. We're offended there. We've not forgiven that person. And then we come to Christian meetings and sing our hearts out. God says, no. No, because it's becoming fakery. No, it's becoming, it's becoming uh, an act. We're not doing that. You say, well, why? why is it such a big Here's why it's such a big deal. Because you and I had so offended God, so way more, that whatever offense any of you have brought into this room today because of what someone's done to you. and it, Sometimes people do terrible things to other people. But no matter how great that offence is, the offence God felt at our sin goes way beyond that. You think, well, why? How could I thought he was God? I didn't think he would be offended by that. No, no, because he's not just merciful, he's just. He's not just loving, he's holy. And so he sees sin for what it is. And the horror that he feels, the the, the sense of repulsion he feels is very different from ours. Why? Because even though we get hurt, actually, we're probably just as corrupt as that person in a different way. But him being holy, he sees it in the offense. And you think, well, what did he do with that offense? He gave his best. He gave up his only son. To be judged for it. What What did Jesus do? He willingly took the cross. And then when even people are mocking him on the cross, he's forgiven. They don't know what they're doing. They're blind. They're hard. They're ignorant. Forgive them. You go, oh, that's what you, when we offended you, that's what you did. So if we receive the gospel, if we receive Christ in that way, and then hold on to other much smaller offenses, even though they may have been huge in our lives, but compared to that, much smaller. If we hold them on, God looks on and says, hold on a minute. Do you actually realize what I've done? Do you actually realize what's happened here? It's profound. It's really, really profound. And the reality is is that there is a devil. He's real. And the thing that he trades in more than anything with believers is offense and unforgiveness. If he can get you to stew over stuff where you feel you've been wronged, if he can get you to sit on that, if he can get you to... Get torn up with kind of a sense of, you know, everyone's done this or everyone hates me or, they, or why did they... If, and live in that world of uh, just... It's a void. It's a, it's a, it's a, it would just suck you in. A place of darkness, bitterness, self-pity. It leads to feeling entitled, to being mean to others. It's a, a It's a vortex of darkness. And he wants you sucked into that. And the whole time Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Do you know what? Through the forgiveness I've shown you, I will give you power to forgive those people. And in forgiving them, they will, hallelujah, be released or face the prospect of being released. But you yourself in your own heart will also be released from that. And you'll be able to walk in the light, you'll be able to walk with the lightness in your heart, you'll be able to you'll be able to not live a victim to what those people did to you, but walk into a new future God gives for you. It's so powerful. We've got to take this so seriously. And as I'm talking today, I don't want any of you, please, none of you start overly soul searching for stuff that's not there. But if there's stuff there, the Holy Spirit will show you. If your heart is open to God, the Holy Spirit will just say, you know, that there it will just be all just be prodding you. Here and there and and showing you things. And you'll be able to say, yeah. And you know what? Because of the cross, you can get right with God like that. As long as your heart is earnest and sincere, you can get right with God like that. Why? Because the price has been paid. So wonderful, man. This is deep, though. It hits on the things that can really impact us. While we're on the subject of warfare, the final thing I want to end on in terms of prayer is this idea of praise. And praises warfare. We've been praising the Lord this morning. It's been wonderful. Such magnificent songs. I didn't know any of them. I think I knew one. I thought, Where did all these songs come from? I must have really got old. But um, they were absolutely wonderful. Um, but listen to this story in 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. And then we're going to respond in a moment. And so, Ben, if you're able to head up here now, that would be great. Ben the Keyboard, wherever you are. Ben the Keyboard, that's his new nickname. Um, I just gave him it. 2 Chronicles. Chapter 20, listen to this. Um, Verse 20. They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat, he's the king, stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you'll succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. As they went before the army and say... Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Now listen to this. When they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who would come against Judah, so they were routed. Do you hear that? When they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush. The Lord said, you know what? I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for you. we've just been praising, yeah. Praise is not just glorifying to God, it's also a declaration of warfare. And in a moment, I'm going to ask us to stand together and to sing that song, I'll raise a hallelujah. And for some of you, the declaration of warfare as you're doing that, is, is there's stuff going on in your head. that You just know, do you know what, I'm getting tied up in knots here. Or even maybe even since you've entered the room, there's just been loads of negativity and you just know, God, it's a battle really on for me to stay in this today, and really receive from God. There's all kinds of stuff going on. You, you're thinking, you're looking at me, thinking, if you can see what's going on in my head. Let me tell you. Um, let me tell you, the Lord loves to deliver us from that stuff. I was utterly, utterly uh, in, in a in a bad way, uh, mentally when I when I first came to know Christ. He's done such a restorative work. Moments of breakthrough and some other stuff, just walking out of it. He's done so much. Still some way to go, but he's done so. So much hallelujah. I want to fill your heart with hope today. Fill your heart with confidence. He's got you here. He's got a purpose for you. He's going to meet with you. Okay. He doesn't bring you here to disappoint you. He's a good, good father. Amen. Amen. And I'm just going to ask you to just sing hallelujah as a declaration of war. Say, I'm not, I, I, I trust in God. And even though I'm feeling this way, I'm going to lift up his name. Others of you, you know, it may not be that, but it may be stuff out there. Maybe even this war. We're reading about it on the news this war in Ukraine. Your heart is burning. You think, "Oh Lord, what's the solution? How's it going to work?" Maybe you've got loved ones there. Maybe there's just things going on in the in the outer world. You're just burdened with the burden of God. You think, "God, oh, look 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 at, look at the ravaging work of the enemy." To be able to stand and just sing Hallelujah, we're going to believe the Lord's going to go out before us, ahead of us, and rout the enemy. Amen. Any of you? Yeah. So we're going to just raise a Hallelujah together. So. Let's stand. If we could have the words up on the screen, please. That would be great. Just take a moment. Let's just draw near in our hearts to God. The Bible says, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. So Just draw near. Whatever the Holy Spirit has highlighted in you, through what I've spoken or through what came through the songs earlier, let's just start to... In that sense, come draw near in that secret place. No one knows exactly what's going on, but he does. Just draw near to him. We're gonna sing in just a second. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have been listening to a recording from since 2022 a gathering of students and 20s pursuing the radical call of Jesus to see our lives, our neighbourhoods and our nations transformed. If you want to find out more about what we do and how you can be involved, go to sensegeneration.com. Thank you for listening.